It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, and that's all today. Scott abandoned me in my hour of need. No, Scott's actually out visiting his dad who lives up in, uh, well, the great white north of Michigan. And as many of you may know, uh, internet can be hard to come by up there. So he was having some connection issues. We decided... Uh, probably better for me to just run it solo and have it a, a little bit cleaner than have him cutting in and out. Uh, we know how annoying that audio can be. So unfortunately, Scott is not with us here today, but he did share some notes with me. He did share his pick with me as well. We'll get to all of that. Uh, but yeah, riding solo here today. First time in in quite a while. Um, these episodes are few and far between nowadays. So Kind of nice for me, to be honest. It, it was um, something that I did completely by myself for a while. And then once Scott joined on, it it really made my life a lot easier. So, Scott, I appreciate that. Um, wanted to talk about like Christmas and all that kind of stuff with him. But, you know, now that I'm alone, it feels weird to just like tell you my Christmas things. The one thing is, I've had so many like cookies and cakes and I just feel like a bloated asshole right now. It It's just, it's gotten out of hand. Uh, I'll tell you that it's, it's to the point, you know, where you almost don't even enjoy every cookie the same anymore. You know, you're, you're just kind of, it's like a chore putting them away, but here we are. We, we have, uh, we have finished the Christmas season New Year's is right around the corner, and the Michigan State Peach Bowl is right around the corner here. Thursday night kickoff, very excited about it. Uh, We got a lot of stuff planned for you. We got uh, an instant recap of the game as soon as it ends. Uh, I want to try to record that the night of the game. We'll see how that goes. Uh, We'll keep you filled in. But before we do that, Uh, I want to get to some important stuff here. If you're not subscribed to the podcast already, make sure you are. You can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening. And we've talked about for quite a long time that, you know, if you're listening on Apple, you can go ahead and share the review. Well, apparently Spotify also has reviews now. So if you are listening on Spotify and you are so kind to leave us a review, we would really appreciate that. And, um... Yeah, just just for those of you who might be new to the show, we are going this whole 365-day calendar um, 
Michigan State football, right? So we will touch on the basketball stuff, but we we've mentioned before we don't really know enough about basketball to to break it down uh, in an educated way that will really give you the fans any more than you already have. I, I feel pretty comfortable in in giving my football opinions. Basketball is is a world that I really enjoy watching basketball, but I, I don't know enough about it. You can go check out, out the guys at Spartan Hoops. They do a really good job of breaking everything down on the basketball side. So we always say, like, you know, we, we don't even really talk with these guys very often, but it is a pretty good partnership here in that Michigan State football, you got taken care of right here with the Standing Room Spartans. Michigan State basketball, you got taken care of over there with the guys at Spartan Hoops. So what better way to get your Michigan State content? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, the, this is going to be going through the whole off season, and and we've talked about with Mel Tucker. Now it feels like there really isn't an off season anymore with all of the the transfer portal stuff, with the recruiting stuff, which is pretty exciting for us. It gives us something to talk about. So we'll we'll be going the whole year, recruiting transfer portal. We have tons of off season content planned. It's going to be a blast. So make sure you you are subscribed and everything like that. Following on Twitter, the links are in the notes of the episode. Just click on the episode on your phone. It's a lot easier um, than remembering anything that I say. So uh, make sure you're doing all of that. The one plug I will give is for the Facebook group because we want to do more with that over the off season. It's the Standing Room Spartans community on Facebook. Again, the link is in the episode notes. So if you're on Facebook, head over there. We're going to plan a lot more throughout the offseason with that. Okay. So why we are here today, why I am here, I guess I I shouldn't say we today. Why I am here today is to preview the Peach Bowl. And I don't know about you guys, like it's, it's felt a little bit um, like a lot of people just aren't, aren't as excited. You know, I, I think back to the cotton bowl in 2014 and obviously the Rose bowl is going to get more play. Obviously the, the college football playoff is going to get more play, but just comparing the two, you know, random new year, six bowls between this year, the peach bowl and 2014, the cotton bowl. I feel like people were a lot more excited about the Cotton Bowl, and I, maybe a lot of that has to do with the guys that are opting out now. And In fact, I'm pretty sure that's one of the big reasons for it. But it, it does feel like as a fan base, we're not really as excited about this as we normally are. I am psyched about this. I, I think it's it's a trademark game. It's a trademark opportunity for Michigan State to be on the national stage where we where we were for a, a run there under Mark D'Antonio and where Mel Tucker's quickly gotten us back to. Like if if anybody is disappointed about playing in the Peach Bowl, then I don't know what to tell you, man. But before we get to that, we got a special word from our friends here. DraftKings hockey fans. That's right, hockey fans. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL as well as the NFL. No-brainer offer make you a winner once any goal gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. Uh, the NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so uh, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm just saying. The sports book isn't available in your state yet. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey and Football Contest. DraftKings is giving uh, all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we are a proud member. Throw down $1 on any NHL game, probably also an NFL game. I don't want to speak for DraftKings. I don't want to get anybody in trouble here, but we just read the ad reads that are, are placed in front of us, to be honest, with, with DraftKings. So um, if, if you want to just bet on NFL, give it a shot. If, if you just put it in the promotions, it'll tell you if, it, if it'll work, yes or no. So... If you're only looking for an NFL, just, just give it a shot. It's been working all year long for us. Um, but that's promo code TPPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL and the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now... This is, you know, we'll we'll get to the game preview here. Just to kind of set it up, we'll frame it. Usually this is what Scott does, so I'll 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 do my best here. But Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, that is December the 30th, on ESPN in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia, Michigan State and the Pittsburgh Panthers. Michigan State minus two and a half over under is 56 and a half right now on DraftKings. So I think Vegas, along with a lot of us, is just sitting there like, I don't really know what to do with the information that we have, right? You look at a Michigan State offense without its should-have-been-Heisman finalists and Kenneth Walker. You're looking at a Pitt offense without its Heisman finalists. And um, and I think Vegas is is looking at this like a lot of us and just saying, I don't know, probably scored and one of these teams will win. Um, you know, just it, it, it's not just Kenneth Walker and Kenny Pickett. Uh, Pitt is going without Kenny Pickett, their quarterback, going without their number one cornerback, Damari Mathis, who is declaring for the draft. They're going without one of their top receivers, Taysir Mack, who was injured earlier in the season. He had over 460 yards and three touchdowns so far this year. And they're also going, you know, arguably just as important with as as being without Kenny Pickett as being without offensive coordinator Mark Whipple, who was hired by Nebraska and is uh, not coaching the bowl game. He is replaced by tight ends coach Tim Salem, who Scott threw me the nugget here that that is actually Brad Salem's brother. So fun fact there, Michigan's another Michigan State tie in the Pittsburgh coaching staff, but. Yeah, without their quarterback, without their offensive coordinator, without one of their top receivers, and without their number one corner, that's a lot to replace for Pitt. Questionable are a couple more receivers, Jalen Barden and Melkis Stovall. So you got a lot of guys to replace on the Pitt side. Obviously, Michigan State looking to replace Kenneth Walker, Michael Dowell also not dressed, Ricky White, Michael Gravely. They're all in the portal and are not participating in this game there was an interesting note from mel tucker that all of the other outgoing transfers are dressed or at least on the game day roster so that's an interesting nugget there we'll see what kind of playing time they get doubtful are quaveras crouch and tyler hunt tyler hunt was injured did not play in the penn state game and uh we'll we'll see if he's able to suit up here for the peach bowl and Quiveras Crouch, he's been the center of some speculation about, you know, his 
future with the football team um, on the field, off the field, whatever the case may be. Uh, there's some noise. All it is right now is noise. So I don't want to to say anything that's just blatantly false, but you you kind of look at the transactions, right? It's always the the thing with the NFL is is teams will say that yeah we're we're pretty confident in our running back room, and then they'll go and sign two running backs in a week, and you're like, uh, I don't know, I'm following the money here and saying that uh, you're not so confident with the running back room. Like we can say that well. Mel Tucker feels pretty good about the linebackers and and Quiveris Crouch's spot on the team. And then the first two transfers he brings in are linebackers, and you're thinking, huh, that's that's just interesting. So uh, read into that how you will, but Quiveris Crouch was mentioned as a guy who was doubtful for the game. Obviously, Mel Tucker doesn't say anything about injuries in general, so whether it's an on-the-field or an off-the-field issue, uh, we don't know and we may never know. So that's that's kind of the story with Michigan State right now. No word on Jalen Naylor, who looks to be practicing. No word on Simeon Barrow, who I saw with the uh, with the basketball uh, bowl game stuff. So, yeah, a lot of guys in, a lot of guys out. Trying to sort out this mess is, is I guess, why you're listening to me. But it's, it's a difficult job for anybody, and Vegas included, and that's why you see that two-and-a-half-point spread. They're saying, well, we're just going to put it at less than a field goal for one of the teams and, and figure out what happens. So... While I take a sip of my coffee here, I want you guys to to really think about what that means, right? And and I want to think about this question because Scott and I kind of were tossing this back and forth in the text thread as well. Would you rather be without Kenneth Walker for Michigan State or without Kenny Pickett for, for Pitt? This is live by myself, so I don't have time to hit the pause or mute button while Scott talks to take a sip of my coffee. But I, I thought that was interesting. And and ultimately, especially after watching some more pit football preparing for this, I think you have to go with Penny Kenny Penny Kickett, uh Kenny Pickett as as the more notable absence. Because I mean, number one, just because he's the quarterback and he's touching the ball in every play, but on top of that, when you watch Pittsburgh's offense, Kenny Pickett is really doing a lot of this stuff on his own. And we talk about Kenneth Walker and what he does without a great offensive line. And, and you know, they call him the eraser. And when they make mistakes, it doesn't really matter because of, of how he is able to, you know, find holes, break tackles and, and everything. I, I put a lot of that kind of same sentiment in a different way because it's a different position, but on Kenny Pickett because what he does after the snap is is really invaluable to this team. He's moving around in the pocket. He's getting outside the pocket. He's he's making plays with his legs and and not only in terms of running the ball but extending the play and and giving his guys time to get open and, and get downfield. I mean, he had 233 yards and five touchdowns on the ground, and obviously that's including sacks. I would assume that number is closer to 400 uh, yards on the ground. But again, it's it's more than that. It's his ability to to get outside the pocket, to make somebody miss um, in the pocket, get out there, and and it's really hard to cover guys for four and five seconds. And when Kenny Pickett is able to escape, and your receivers have more time, especially, you know, some really good receivers that they have that we'll talk about. 
it, it makes the defense's job a lot harder. So that part is really fascinating. And and so without Kenny Pickett, man, this this offense makes things it, it's a lot more difficult to predict what it will look like. Now, replacing Kenny Pickett, you have Nick Patty, who is a career backup to this point. Uh, his career stats, Scott sent this over, 40 for 62, 450 yards, three touchdowns to one interception. This year, he has thrown 14 times, 140 yards uh, on 12 completions. So, yeah, we haven't really seen a lot as far as kind of a mold. Scott was looking into him a little bit more than I was. He said um, he's kind of a picket junior, can do all the same things, just not as good at anything. But he is mobile enough to to move around the pocket a little bit, keeps his eyes down the field. So you're going to be looking at pretty much the same offensive game plan without Mark Whipple, without Kenny Pickett, but it's just a matter of can they execute it, yes or no. Pretty good offensive line. Uh, they got a couple good backs. They had three guys that all had over 95 carries, all had over 490 yards or so. Uh, I think just from watching the best of the group was Israel Abanakinda. I, I hope I didn't butcher that, but uh, he was number two. He is a sophomore running back. I think he's the best of the bunch, and it seemed to me when he was getting the rock, he was doing a little bit more with it. So keep an eye on that name. Uh, again, I'll try it. Israel Abani Kanda, I think is is it. Um, but yeah, they, they've got a couple good backs. And the thing that, you know, if you're a Pitt fan and you're thinking, man, without Kenny Pickett, we got no chance. But Nick Patty's got a pretty good arsenal of weapons. Jordan Addison is one of the best receivers in the country. He won the Blitnikoffers uh, Award, which is the best receiver in the country. 93 catches, 1,479 yards, and 17 touchdowns, man. 1,500 yards from scrimmage, 18 total touchdowns. And beyond that, you got a guy in Jared Wayne who has shown quite a lot. You've got a tight end in Gavin Bartholomew, who was a freshman All-American. Uh, you've got Shockey Jacques-Louis, Jacques uh, who I just, I love that name, so I couldn't not say it, but he was making a couple plays. I was watching the ACC title game. Again, Shockey Jacques-Louis. Make sure you keep an eye out for him, number 18. They got a really good group of receivers. They got a really good offensive line. So with the quarterback having this couple weeks of bowl practices to get prepared, and we know the struggles Michigan State has had in the defensive backfield, I mean, I I wouldn't be shocked to see Pittsburgh light up the score sheet as they have so far this year. Uh, you look at their numbers, again, this is with Kenny Pickett, but they're a team that is fifth in the country in points per game with over 40, sixth in the country in yards per game with 486 yards a game. They were seventh in the country in passing yards per game. They were middle of the road rushing uh, about 145 yards a game, so... It's an offense that can put up numbers. Can they do it with a backup quarterback? That's really the question. But that, there's a lot to like on the offensive side of the ball for Pitt. And for Michigan State in that matchup, you're going to want to generate pressure. I think that's that's pretty much a, a simple recipe, right, against a backup quarterback. It's a good offensive line. Again, there, there aren't too many holes, and they actually announced as a group that they're all coming back next year, with a, which I thought was pretty cool. But you're going to want to get some pressure on him, uh, and you're, you're going to want to shut down the running game as well. 
I, I think if you can do those two things, it, it makes for a pretty simple game plan because you shut down the Pittsburgh running game, which is something again they're they're not amongst the top in the country, but they're they're definitely looking to set up the pass with the run and that kind of thing. It is Pat Narduzzi, and and while he he was open to kind of throwing the ball all around the yard. Again, he did have three running backs that all ran for over 95 times. Uh, they, they had plenty of rushing attempts, so they, they still want to establish the run. If you can shut that down and make them one-dimensional with a young, inexperienced backup quarterback, I think that's your best bet. And, and then once you do get that one-dimensional aspect, pin your ears back and get after them. It's the last college game for Drew Beasley. It's the last college game for Jacob Panishuk. It's the last college game for Drew Jordan. These guys are going to be pinning their ears back, wanting to get after the quarterback, wanting to make a statement in their final collegiate football games. Three guys really whose future is a little bit uncertain as far as the NFL. I think they're all kind of the, those could make it and, and could be on the cutting room floor. Kenny Willickis, for as good as he was at Michigan State, was a seventh-round pick. And it's just tough at that position to do it without that natural, explosive athleticism that you see out of some of these guys year in, year out that come out. When you don't have that and, and you're relying on technique and effort, it's really hard. And Kenny Willickis did it better than anybody and he still barely got a shot at the NFL. So, you know, these are three guys who are looking at their last collegiate game and what could be their last football games of their lives, if we're being completely frank. And they're going to want to make a statement and go out on a high note. So that's the key to this Michigan State defense, I think. Shut down the run early, make them one-dimensional, and then let these three super seniors get after a young quarterback. I think that's the recipe. Now, you're hoping that the secondary pieces are getting healthy, right? Kimbrough has been dealing with some stuff. Ronald Williams has been dealing with some stuff. Um, you have Chuck Brantley, who's obviously been dealing with that shoulder. Marquis Lowry has been dealing with some stuff. I mean, all these corners have been banged up down the stretch here this year. Getting a couple weeks to get them back, get them back and healthy, and not just kind of like, ah, I'm 60%, but I can give it a go out there. Get them back closer to 90 100%, and I think that can make a huge difference in this game, especially with just the way that they've been playing down the stretch. It was tough to watch at times, and, and we'll see how much of that was injury-related or not. But I, again, this is, this is a pit team that wants to throw the ball, and they got a lot of weapons to throw it to. And what scares me is Jordan Addison. And, and the things that he does, uh, the pit wide receiver – the things that he does are all pretty close to the line of scrimmage. It's it's going to be a lot of what Jahan Dotson and David Bell did. And what the, what worries me about that is it doesn't take an elite quarterback to throw a five-yard slant. It doesn't take an elite quarterback to throw a bubble screen. That's a lot of what you're doing with Jordan Addison, who averaged 16 yards a catch, but a lot of that is yards after the catch. So finding a way to to funnel him and, and make sure that we have bodies ready for when he does get catches, because he will. 93 catches this year. I mean, you're, you're not going to stop him from getting the ball because, again, what they're doing is a lot of tunnel screens, bubble screens, quick hitches, quick slants. The, the fewest number of catches he had this year was five. He had a couple games with double-digit catches. 
they're going to get the ball in his hands. It's just a matter of rallying and making sure he's not doing damage like David Bell did after the catch. So your your keys to this game on defense, I think, again, are pretty clear. Stop the run and make them one-dimensional. Get the pass rush going once they are one-dimensional. And above all else, man, make sure you have bodies committed to Jordan Addison because they're going to get him the ball and you got to make sure you're rallying and making tackles. And if we can do that, I think we can keep that number a little bit lower than that that 40 points per game that they've been putting up, especially with the backup quarterback. Now, on the other side of the ball, Michigan State coming into this game without Kenneth Walker. What does that look like? You you have Jordan Simmons was the second leading rusher for this team, 54 carries for 255 yards. Uh, Eli Collins only took 12 carries this year. Harold Joyner took 11 carries this year. Donovan Eaglin took six carries. I mean, you're going to have to find some production in the run game, and and I don't think it's going to be a full-dose workhorse running back. I think it's going to be a little bit of a committee between those three guys, but you're going to have to find some work, some some yards, because we talked about with Kenneth Walker, like this offensive line isn't great. And the one news on the offensive line that I thought was was really interesting and, and really encouraging, really the first encouraging sign we've seen here for a while, Jarrett Horst was listed as questionable. That's really the first time we've heard Jarrett Horst's name come up in quite some time. He took some time off due to, uh, I think it was reported as as like just mental health. Um, so just to see him questionable was good to see, uh, just to, to know that he's in a place where he feels comfortable at least putting himself back with the team um, is, is good for him. And so, you know, obviously with those type of situations, like I don't want to rush anybody back on the field, but it was an encouraging sign. I think if you're trying to read between the lines here um, in getting him back for whether it's the bowl game for next year, whether it's him preparing for whatever the next step is, that's good news. Right. But again, this offensive line hasn't been great. And and we've seen Jordan Simmons just kind of bash into the offensive guard ahead of him and and not really not the most patient runner in the world, waiting for something to open up. Not really the most agile runner in the world. He's a see hole, hit hole kind of runner. Just make one cut, get downhill and and slip some arm tackles, but he's not gonna make you miss in a phone booth. And he's not really the most patient of of runners waiting for something to open up. Eli Collins can be that again, but the last time we've really seen it was two and a half years ago now. It's been a while. So I I just I don't know what to expect there. And Harold Joyner has been used more of a third down role, a lot of pass blocking, a lot of um, you know, trying to get him out receiving. So Really interested to see how we try to manufacture some running, uh, some running yards here. But this pit defense, I mean, it looks a lot like what you would expect a Pat Narduzzi defense to look like. And if you've been a Michigan State fan for more than four or five years, you know exactly what that is. You got four down linemen. You got two good edge rushers. You've got uh, a lot of blitzes. You've got competitive DBs who are physical, who are going to get their hands on you, who are going to try to make plays on the ball. It looks a lot like a, a Michigan State defense from the mid two thousands, the the you know mid the early twenty tens, um, 
Now, is it as talented? No. But as far as kind of a template, a blueprint, it looks pretty damn similar. And so for for anybody looking for kind of, oh, well, how do we beat the Pittsburgh defense? Well, how did you beat the Michigan State defense a while back? It's It's going to look a lot similar to that. But yeah, this Pitt defense, man, they got a couple really good edge rushers. Um, Kalijah Kansi and, uh, oh God, they, they why do they have to have these names? Kalijah Kansi and Habukuk Baldonado, who is from Italy. I was reading a story about him. Pretty interesting story. They're two top edge rushers combining for 16 sacks and 26 tackles for loss. They can get after you. And and again, they're going to come with some some pressure. They're second in the country in sacks, in total sacks. They are fifth in the country in sack percentage, sacking quarterbacks at ten percent of their dropbacks. They're blitzing a lot of guys. I mean, they got ten guys with multiple sacks. For comparison's sake, Michigan State. Let me. I got this sorted out here. For comparison's sake, Michigan State's got eight. But when you look at the the Pittsburgh numbers, it's nine, seven, five and a half, four and a half, four and a half, four, three and a half, three, two and a half, two. For Michigan State, it's six, five and a half, five, three and a half, three, two and a half, two, two. So that that dispersal looks a lot different. But you got a lot of guys that are going to be coming after the quarterbacks. It's linebackers. It's DBs. Again, for for Michigan State fans who have been here a while. You know exactly what this looks like, man. We're blitzing corners off the edge. We're blitzing linebackers up the A-gap. We're blitzing linebackers off the edge. We're blitzing safeties. It's a Pat Narduzzi defense. I don't really know how else to explain it in a better way. And again, you've got physical corners who are looking to to you know get their hands on you. And, and when that ball is in the air, they're competitive as hell getting after it. They got a couple guys with multiple interceptions. They've got a couple guys. They've got four guys with at least five passes defensed. It's it's a physical defense who's who's looking to get after you. And and the total you know points allowed, the total yards allowed, they're not going to really pop off the page. But don't let it fool you, man. This is a good defense, and it's a Pat Narduzzi defense who we know a lot about. So in that sense, again, they're down their top corner. Um, who was Damari Mathis, who finished this year with a couple interceptions, five passes defense. He had a touchdown, 43 tackles. Um, that's going to be a big loss for him. But knowing that defense, knowing Pat Narduzzi, they're going to have somebody who's able to step up. So this is going to be the Peyton Thorne game. And you know what I was thinking about is, is remember that, was it the Holiday Bowl against Washington State? And it was really the Brian Lewerke coming out party where he just had himself a day, uh, if, you, if you remember that one. And the the thing that, you know, if, if you're listening to this and you were a fan for, well, more than just a couple seasons, you hear that as kind of a bad sign because, well, that ultimately ended up being the best game that Brian Lewerke ever played. And that was, again, coming off of the 2017 season against Washington State. I got the numbers pulled up here. He had... Uh, 62% completion percentage, 200 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, uh, 73 yards rushing. He just, he had a, a damn near perfect game and then just plateaued from there. So you're looking at Peyton Thorne and hopefully this is a game that he can have a similar output, but then 
use that to take it to the next level because everybody's eyes are on Peyton Thorne now when this offense is on the field. There's no Kenneth Walker behind him. There's no Kenneth Walker next to him. And hopefully you get Jalen Naylor back, but you've got Jaden Reed. You've got some playmakers. You've started to incorporate Malik Carr a little bit more. We saw a little bit of Keon Coleman late in the season, and Montori Foster has been able to make some plays for you. But this is the Peyton Thorne game. This is the game where when Michigan State has the ball, all eyes are on him to, to make some things happen. And again, it's it's a pretty ferocious pit pass rush. So Peyton Thorne is going to have to operate the pocket. He's going to have to to you know really keep an eye on those rush lanes and and figure out what his hot reads are and and checkdowns and really just play an excellent football game if Michigan State wants to win this one because I I really doubt. Michigan State's ability to to gash in the run game. I think, you know, you get to a third and two and you've got guys who can get that done, but you're not going to be running for 200 yards in this game. You're not going to be running for 150 yards probably in this game. So Peyton Thorne's going to have to do the lion's share of the work. Hopefully the defense can can do their job, get some turnovers, get him some short fields. But, you know, Peyton Thorne, Jaden Reed, Montori Foster, Trey Mosley, this is their game, man. This is going to have to be on their shoulders on the offense. So Peyton Thorne, a guy who's been a little bit up and down, if we're being honest this year. I mean, some games he's looked spectacular, but I mean, you go back to, I'm looking at a couple of these box scores just, you know, because I remember some games that he kind of struggled, but to have it in front of me, obviously Ohio State was a rough outing, but you had the Michigan game where we won the game, but zero touchdowns, two interceptions. The Indiana game, one touchdown, two interceptions, only 126 yards passing in that one. There have been a couple games here this year where Peyton Thorne has really struggled. Nebraska was one. We had like, what, one first down in the second half of that game? So you've had some really good Peyton Thorne performances. You've had some really bad Peyton Thorne performances and if we get one of the good ones, I feel pretty good about this game. But if we get one of the bad ones, you don't have Kenneth Walker to bail you out. So this is a quarterback game. This is a Peyton Thorne game. And I don't really know how else to say it on the offensive side of the ball. It's it's a New Year's Six Bowl, man. I know that we keep talking about how ah, it sucks that guys are opting out. It doesn't feel as big of a game as it was you know, with going into it. But this is still a New Year's Six Bowl. It's the only game on at the time. It's primetime TV. A lot of people are going to be tuned in. And Peyton Thorne can can really make a statement here, you know, with uh, a pretty big recruit coming in and Caton Hauser. Uh, Peyton Thorne, maybe this is kind of his first uh, shot to to Caton Hauser and saying, hey, you know, I know you're the big name coming in here, but this is still my job until someone takes it from me. So I, I'm looking for Peyton Thorne here to have a big game. And really hoping that we get Jalen Naylor back. I would love to see that Reed Naylor duo back on the outside because they did a lot of special things. And obviously, we can't wrap this up without talking about the special teams, baby. Jaden Reed back there returning punts. Um, on, on their side, they had a kick return touchdown this year from Israel Abanikanda. Uh, they're running back again, who I, I think can make some plays uh, in, in the running game as well. But uh, they got a good returner, obviously Jordan Addison, who's returning punts, who is their best playmaker uh, with the ball in his hands. 
He's had 17 yards per punt return this year, so he's a pretty dynamic return guy. Uh, they got a pretty solid kicker, went uh, 81% on the year, and a solid punter, 41 yards per punt. As I was watching, he he put uh, Wake Forest back there in, in pretty good field position a couple times. So good special teams for Pitt. Obviously, Michigan State Bryce Berenger decided he's going to come back. Uh, Matt Coughlin, can he get healthy? We, he's had a couple weeks off here. If he's back there, that would make me feel a lot more comfortable in the kicking game because we saw Evan Johnson, we saw Steven Rusnick, and they were both just bad. So if we can get Matt Coughlin back there, give me somebody I feel comfortable within 40 yards even because those guys lining up from from 35, like I, I do not feel comfortable. Those guys lining up for an extra point, man, I did not feel comfortable. So if Coughlin can get back, that would be really nice. And then, uh, you know, we'll see if, if Jaden Reed or Montori Foster, somebody can make some plays in the return game as well. But, yeah, it's going to be a fun game. I think even with a backup quarterback, even without um, even without Kenneth Walker for Michigan State, I think there could be some explosive plays. I think there could be some fireworks in this one. So, again, we'll, we'll get to our picks here, again, to set it up. Uh, me and Scott, I, I have taken the season crown already. This doesn't really count for anything, but we will give you the picks. Michigan State minus two and a half is the spread. They're favored by just under a field goal. The over under at 56 and a half. I will give you Scott's pick first. He gave me Michigan State 28, Pitt 24. So that's a Michigan State win, a Michigan State cover, and the under. He says that both run games are stifled, but Thorne and company make a few more plays than Patty. Big game for Jordan Addison on mostly yards after the catch. Um, so kind of echoing a lot of what I mentioned here. I'm going to go pretty similar to Scott, but I'm going to go a little bit higher scoring. I wrote this down and I forgot to add it up, but I'm going Michigan State 38, hit 31. So I'm going Michigan State to win, Michigan State to cover, and that is an over. That's 69 points. Nice. We've got uh, – so both got Michigan State winning, both got us covering. I've got it a little higher scoring. I'm taking the over. I think even with a backup quarterback, they're going to be able to put up some points with with a really good wide receiver group and a decent running game. And I think Michigan State, led by Peyton Thorne in the passing game, is going to be able to put a lot of points up on the board as well through the air. We just got to find a way to neutralize those pass rushers, and I think we can get get the job done there. So that's it. We will be back here to record, to to recap the Peach Bowl uh, after the game. I'm still deciding what we want to do here if we're going to go right after the game because the thing is we don't want to wait too long because then you've got the college football playoff stuff and and you know we'll kind of get lost in the shuffle. So I want to give you that morning um, – to get the immediate uh, recap before the you know Michigan and Georgia and Alabama and Cincinnati and you kind of get wrapped up in that. So I think that's the plan. We'll see. We'll probably do a short recap right after the game and then we'll figure out what to do with the rest of the schedule here. But like I said, we'll be going the whole offseason long, so no need to fret about this being like the last podcast of the season. Don't worry about that. You'll still hear our lovely voices. So thank you so much for sticking with us this year. Um, as as the 2021 calendar year comes to an end, 
Uh, we really appreciate. It. We just wanted to, you know, both of us to to say thank you so much for listening. Thank you much for supporting, following. We get DMs, we get you know notes from time to time that it it's really cool that you guys take a, some time out of your day to listen to us. We never really thought we would get the following that we already have. And it's growing and it's growing and it's growing and we have you guys to thank for it. So as we're in this holiday season and I'm in this kind of emotional roller coaster of a mood, um, I, I just wanted to take some time to thank you guys. And I know Scott does as well. wasn't able to join us here today, but I, I know he shares the sentiment too. Like, it's awesome. You guys are awesome. We really appreciate the support, the listening, the, the, the downloads, the reviews, everything. Um, you guys are the best. So... Until after the game, we will see you then. Go green, go white. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Take care, folks.